0: Okay.
1: If somebody would please read 1 through 8 of Psalm 119.
0: Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of Jehovah. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me.
1: Okay Somebody else?
2: Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to the word, with my whole heart, I self. but let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Jehovah, Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word.
1: What is the emotional tenor? Of the psalm, what what do you get from this?
3: Praise, love, upbeat.
1: Praise, love,
2: upbeat.
1: Upbeat. How does he? What does he? He feel? What is he feeling? Grady. He's delighted. All right. Whatever it is, it's he's it's not begrudging. All right. There's delight there. Anybody else? At least twice. Alright, you've got this phrase. I will da 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 with whole heart. Alright, what does whole heart mean? Well, we know what half-hearted means, right? Half-hearted means, eh.
3: Passion.
1: Whole heart, full commitment. Full of passion. Alright? Now, these emotions and this passion, what is it for?
0: God's
1: law yes I'd actually go slightly further than that it is about God's law it is about specifically obeying God's law all right it's not a you don't get in an, 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 it's not an intellectual attachment to the commandments of God it is specifically a I love reading the law because I love obeying the law all right I Passionately pursue the scriptures, all right, so that I can obey with a whole heart. We've been talking about the scriptures, the doctrine of scriptures, um, comparing some between Protestants and Catholics over the last month or so. Uh, today I want to focus uh, less on that doctrinal aspect, as important as it is, and focus more on the emotional. All right, the, uh, the 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 personal aspect of it. The scriptures are profitable for teaching, for reproach, for training, right? And I think we need to be as much as possible like David when we approach the scriptures. All right? The scriptures themselves are not an end in themselves. We know this, right? We do not worship the scriptures. We worship the God. Of the scriptures. The scriptures are breathed out by God. They come from God. But we look beyond the scriptures, we look through the scriptures. The scriptures are God's chief means of revealing to us God Himself. And so we look through the scriptures to obey God. But that does mean the scriptures play a hugely important part. So we're going to talk about two things related to that today. If you would please turn to the book of Colossians. We're going to read a prayer. Colossae. At what point did Paul go to Colossae and found a church there? Anybody remember? It's a trick question.
0: First
1: century. <laughs> A trick question. Go. He did not go to Colossae. There you go. Good. Uh, what happened? Do we know? Christians went to Colossae. Specifically those that Paul had converted and, pre- and preached to. So he writes to Colossae, having never gone there. Uh, let's start in, in verse 3, actually. We always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Colossians verse 3, chapter 1. When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, so he, he heard of their faith, All right, He has not witnessed it. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth the gospel, which has come to you as indeed. In the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love and the Spirit. So here's this prayer. I want to think about it. And so from the day we heard, right? so Paul's now hearing about what happened in Colossae. So from the day we heard about that, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? Praying for wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work for wisdom? Do you pray for learning of the scriptures for your fellow Christians? Do you pray that they will understand them better and they will desire them more so that they can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? You should pray. You should absolutely pray for that. I want to now jump to the Old Testament because this idea of praying for people that they will have wisdom. And for people to, to seek wisdom all right, and ask God for wisdom is not an innovation of the New Testament. It's actually fairly common in the Old. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Wisdom is not something that necessarily comes naturally. You can learn things because you've done stupid things and experienced them. So, in a sense, you can get some wisdom naturally. But that's not what this is talking about. Proverbs chapter 2, we're going to read through verse 15. If someone would please read the, verse, the first eight verses. And then somebody else read through verse 15. My
3: son... Receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, Um, knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and watching over the way of his saints.
2: Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equality, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, rejoicing rejoice in the doing and rejoice in doing evil, and delight and uh, curseness.
3: <coughs> men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways.
1: Thank you. The writer here says, Make your ear attentive. It's an active thing. Verse 3. Call out for insight. Raise your voice. How do you call out to God for insight? You pray. Right? It's a prayer. This is all Paul's doing. is he's, he's praying this prayer, but instead of for himself, he's actually praying it on their behalf. All right? Call out for wisdom. Verse, verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom. For the upright, all right. It's a, it's a metaphor, right? It's it's think of granaries, right? He's storing up food. Well, he he's storing up insight. He's storing up wisdom for his people. How do you get it? You ask for it, right? You you seek it. You request it from God. Yes, sir. Term,
3: I, I like the term "pay attention." Right? you pay your attention, and that's well, like that's how
2: you like. You're seeking something. You pay your attention towards the thing you seek, uh-huh. and
1: that's how you discover things. I, I think that's very good, right? What, what's the most valuable thing that you have? All right, it's it's not your money. It's 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 probably your time. Right? How do you spend your time? Well, you should pay your attention. You should pay your time towards seeking wisdom, but not just to seek wisdom for wisdom's sake. Right? Seeking wisdom is always supposed to have a goal. And that would be like verse 11. So that discretion will watch over you. And understanding will guard you and deliver you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. And then it goes and talks about wicked. Right? You pay attention. You pay your time. Right? You pray. Right? You pray. So that you may understand the scriptures. So you may receive wisdom. So that... You are full of discretion as opposed to full of sin. So when Paul prays for this, this is this is an old covenant idea. This is a God is the giver of all good things, and one of those things that God wants to give us. All right, one of the things he wants to give us is wisdom. Turn to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us something about prayer. Starting in verse 7, I will read this time Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, or excuse me, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? All right. So Jesus is teaching us about prayer. Here it's not specifically about wisdom. This is a general principle. All right? How are you going to get something from God? Well, the right place to start, right, is to ask. Seek and you will find. If you want to find something, where, where do you start by finding something? You start seeking it, alright? If you want to get into a door, and that's not your door, and someone else's door, Alright, you could stand outside the door for a very long time and hopefully they will open that door. Or you can go up to that door and you can knock on that door and hopefully they'll open it, right? That's the much better way of doing it. Right? When you go to a friend's house, you knock on their door, you don't stand out in their front yard until they notice you. Alright? You ask. It's an active thing. Alright? You want to find wisdom? Ask. Alright? You want to find something? Seek. You want to get into something? Knock. Alright? It's something that God asks. Now there's another parable that tells us how to do this. Uh, you can see it in Luke, but we won't read it for time's sake. You remember the, the story of the persistent widow? Alright? Let's recall the story. So you've got a widow who has a need. The judge. Alright? The judge is very well disposed and wants to help this widow. Okay. No, that is not the story. The story is the judge doesn't really want to talk to the widow, apparently. Um, The the judge is not a picture of God, because God does want to listen to us. Uh, But Jesus is trying to tell a story to teach you a lesson. You've got a judge who doesn't really want to listen to the widow, and the widow needs justice. And so, when the judge doesn't listen to the widow, what does the widow do? She persists, and she keeps asking. And eventually, the judge is so annoyed, all right? And is so tired of dealing with this persistent widow that he gives in. All right? Now, if we take it back to this parable here, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, but if you ask for God, from God, he's not evil, he will give good gifts. All right? What if an evil judge, all right? Doesn't want to give you things, but through persistence you talk that judge into giving in and giving you justice. If that's the right way to approach that, then do the same for God, because unlike the judge, God loves you. Now I'll turn to James. This will be James Chapter Four. Will somebody please read James Chapter Four, one through ten?
2: and he will play for you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Be wretched and mourned and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before oh the Lord, and he will you will
1: exalt you. Know, there's a lot in this passage The passage that involves the passions, good and evil, right? An example of a of a good passion, a good disposition of mind is humility here. Right? An example of a bad would be the proud, the humble and the proud. And so James is dealing with issues here. So this is there's 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 problems going on here. And he says there, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Alright? Well you do, your sin. That's what causes problems. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? All right. Corrupt passions, problematic passions. We know the solution, towards the end of it, is to submit yourselves to God. All right, In humility. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask think about what we just read from Jesus ask and be given to you you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions you adulterous people okay? I bring this one up because it's very important all right? when we ask God all right, God is not a genie All right, God is not beholden to what we ask God knows better than we do what we and everyone else around us needs when we ask God, we must ask with a right spirit, right? You you do not get because you do not ask. Okay, you do ask sometimes, but you don't get that because you don't mean it for good. You want it to just spend it on your passions. The story here, and so if you're going to pray to God and you're going to ask something for God from God, like for example wisdom, right? What are you going to use it for? Your Heart when you ask is extremely important in this equation. All right? When you ask something from God, I want to be rich so that I can do debaucherous things. Okay? God God is not inclined to answer that. Right? That's the principle. So let's take it back to Paul. All right? Let's think about Paul, what Paul's doing here. Paul is obeying the commandment. Where does this come from in Paul? This seems to be coming from a right heart. All right? These are mostly people he, do, he doesn't even know. All right? Here, they're in the church in Colossae. He knows Epaphras, but he doesn't know most of those people. But he has a right heart towards them, so he asks God's grace for them. all right. And he does, in fact, ask, which is important. Ask that they get wisdom. Not just so they know more in their head, so that they would live rightly. That was his goal and asking, So here's my question. How often do you pray for desire itself to read the scriptures? Do you ever do that? Do you ever pray for greater desire? My desire is not strong. Pray for greater desire. Do you think God is interested in... In fixing your passions? He absolutely is. Go to Galatians, Chapter Five. Let's talk about wrong passions, and right passions, and see if God is interested in fixing these things. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, "...but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, the passions of the flesh, are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you think about those things, those things are all full of desires and strong passions. All right. What does God want to fix that with? What does he want to replace impurity with? What does he want to re- replace strife with? Anger, rivalries, and dissensions. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness... Self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passion with its passions and desires. God is extremely interested in fixing your passions. Alright? And your passions are flawed, as are mine. Alright? But what God does is He gives us the Spirit all right, to fix. To help push down bad passions and to help increase good passions like love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All good passions. God wants us to have those. Do you ever ask for that in your prayer time? Have you ever asked for love towards another person? Have you ever asked for greater love for your spouse? when you're annoyed by them perhaps right do you pray that i will love my i will have more emotions towards my spouse you should do that if you're married right do you pray that i will have more emotions towards god you should do that do you think god wants to give you that he does and so if you don't ask for it you might not get it Because one thing God asks for you to do is He says, ask. Right? Seek. Knock. All right? And one more thing, one more note to end this out on. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. possibly the verse we read most from the book of Hebrews. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Excuse me, of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Right? Why do we get together? Why is Christianity not a solo thing? I have faith, I'll just stay at my, my house and read my Bible and pray. It's never meant to work that way, right? We need to
3: be stirred
1: up. We need to be stirred up. Who's in charge? Open question. Who's in charge of stirring you up? It's not Edward and Bill. Though they 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 work on it, right? Who's in charge of stirring you up? One One another. You are in charge of stirring each other up. It is your responsibility to to do so. All right. That's why we get together. It's a little easier for me to stir you up because I'm standing up here, right? and you're captive for at least five more minutes. All right. It's everyone's responsibility here to stir each other up. Very practical. All right. This is your job, and this is something that you can help others with. Uh, let me give you some examples. And this is just, we humans need this. We need this in faith, and we need this in other ways. Um, it helps for me to lose weight, to have people to talk to, that are also trying to lose weight, all right? I lost a lot of weight last year, trying to lose more now. I have a few friends who are doing the same thing. It helps to check in with them so they can guilt trip me, and so I won't eat all those carbs, all right? That's very helpful. We find encouragement in those kind of things. Uh, There are some book clubs at work, all right? And with some of my tech friends. We read books together, sometimes we discuss things. It's helpful. Having the schedule of the book club, all right, keeps me going on these things. I have a a weekly Latin thing, Wednesday nights. It gives me something every week to look forward to for me to practice my Latin. It keeps me in a cadence, all right? Uh, I have certain Christian friends that I've worked with in the past. Sometimes I will have lunch with them just because they're just so full of energy and so good. All right? I just want to hang out with them sometimes. Just because they're those kind of people that I'm like you're an incredibly pleasant person and just having lunch with you encourages me. That encouragement is good, right? That's your job. Here. That's your job. You have a responsibility within this specific group of people to help encourage others, all right? It's my job to help encourage you. Do you want encouragement? Jesus, Jesus has something to tell you about this. You should ask for it, maybe. And seek for it. And I don't know if knocking is quite the right verb here. But the principle's there, right? You, are you wanting encouragement? Seek it. Do you have trouble setting aside time to read the scriptures or Christian books? Then ask someone to do it with you. All right, that form of guilt tripping is incredibly useful. All right, it is incredibly useful to do that. All right, if you want help reading a book, like, I've had a, I've had this book on my shelf. This book by some theologian, be great. You want help? Ask me. No one ever asks me. Ask me. All right. If you say I want to read this latest book by Michael Crichton, I may be like. You do that. I'm not, I'm not necessarily interested, though that might be awesome. So maybe. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying maybe. You got something? Okay. Well, ask me. Ask somebody else. All right? They might go, I'm too busy. And that's fine. They might be too busy. But then again, they might not be. All right? So ask. Seek. All right? Encourage each other. Take it as your job. To encourage other people. If someone is around you and they need encouragement, it is your job. You need to do your job. So, seek that thing out within the body of Christ. Within, specifically, this body. If If you have Christian friends at work, there's no harm. Seek it with them too. That's a good thing. But we meet together, specifically as a body, and one of our jobs is encouraging each other. So, seek it. Ask it. Find somebody to meet with all right meet outside of Sundays. you can do that it is it is I, de- I declare it officially legal for you to see other people and members as members of the church outside of sunday all right i don 't know if it 's in our bylaws, but it 's legal seek encouragement from those people, yeah, but they 're really far okay have a zoom meeting with them or Google meet or whatever it 's free it 's totally free all right. Ask God for for passion for the things you should be passionate about, all right? Ask God for greater desire, for greater feelings towards Him, all right, and doing His will. Ask God for greater feelings all right, toward your siblings and f- toward your spouse, all right, and towards your co workers. Ask God for greater feelings and greater desire to study and be obedient. Ask, all right? That is the absolute right thing to ask for. We know, wisdom said it itself, all right? Paul did it. He asked for wisdom. If Paul can ask for wisdom for other people, you can ask for wisdom for yourself, and you should, okay? Any, any thoughts, any questions?
2: Mm-hmm. and one of the most eye-opening experiences was going to Tuesday night. It's this huge stadium. There's like a thousand people my age there. And you see so many people, some who are chill and still kind of into the Word of others who are like not crazy, but are much more than people are here. And it was just very interesting to see because you see the people's passion and desire towards the God. And the more I've got to know people... Some people are, once again, chill, and then some are more talkative and open about it, and it's encouraging.
1: It is encouraging. And being open and being willing to talk about these things is good. Now, me being around a bunch of 20-year-olds, a thousand seven sounds terrible. But for you, that sounds great. And I'm glad you do it. I'm glad you do it. Um, Yes, being around people who are excited, do it. Anyone else? Any other thoughts? Yeah.
0: I have a question about that verse in Galatians that we read. Sure. It's uh, chapter 5, verse 17. All
1: right, all, let's turn to Galatians.
0: So I'll just read it again, real quick. Uh, chapter 5, 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. That last part, keep you from doing the things you want to do, do you think that's referring to the flesh keeping you from doing the spiritual things you want to do, or the spirit keeping you from doing the fleshly things you want to do? Or both?
1: Sure.
3: It's
0: perfectly
1: uh, I, I, it certainly both apply, I, I would say. Um and this I'm my my guess is that it is purposely ambiguous cuz it does apply both ways right the spirit wants you to do certain things um, but the flesh you're in the flesh what is the flesh in paul it isn't just your meat right what is the flesh it's the old, it's the, it's the old sinful corrupted nature in paul right not not meat, all right? So the flesh, that old sinful corrupted nature that was made in the image of Adam, all right, corrupted Adam. It wants bad things, all right? The spirit which is in you, all right, which is comes from God and from Christ. And so therefore it wants good things. So you have two sets of desires, to do good and to do evil. The flesh wants to stop you from doing the things you want to do, and the Spirit wants to stop you from doing the things you want to do. So, I don't know. I, I, I take it as ambiguous, and ultimately, both are true, I think. Yeah. Well, I
3: yeah. would say that
2: uh, most, like, if there's anything that ultimately that's of the flesh, that's a desire, it's frankly, in my opinion, self-destructive at the end of the day. So, maybe the, I would say it's, it's just preventing, like... I guess it would be hard to discern the difference but pursuing something that you desire you know, that isn't self-destructive that is productive and prosperous and I would say good yeah. is different than I think what they're saying in, in this case where that would be more of the spirit of uh, so the Holy
3: Spirit versus the spirit of the flesh making it impossible,
1: that, that. Agreed. I mean, if we take it back to their context, which is also your context, agrarian. All right, you're you're a grower. All right, um, did they want plentiful fields? Absolutely. Is that bad? No, of course not. It's absolutely good. And specifically, what Paul does there? He's, what's what does it mean for something to desire for the flesh to desire? It gives you a list, and those are definitely bad things. Right. There are a whole set of human desires, like which are totally fine. I
2: think excess is the simplest way to look at it. Is is the, the, the
3: flesh desires excess and all the things that it, you know, whatever something like
1: that. That would the 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 envy and the enmity and the and the lusts, absolutely. Yeah. What are you going to say, Evan? Just
3: remind me the old country preacher uh, said, "Here's this these, these two bulldogs." inside
1: of me, this black one and this white one. And they're just fighting all the time. And you know which one wins. What's the one I feed? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32 and 33. Paul says this. You don't have to turn there. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Alright? Bad company ruins good Morals. Seek encouragement among those that will encourage you to do the right things. All right. Seek encouragement from people that will help you feed the correct bulldog. All right. Which isn't to say you don't have friendships with non Christians, but where does you, you you will not necessarily get encouragement for righteousness from there. Where do you want to find that? Christians. This church. Others, they don't have to be a part of this church. Seek that from them.
3: Yeah, yeah and then be a, a parent with children the age that we have. We hear it all the time, or we, especially whenever we would, we're doing a bunch of homeschool stuff. Mm-hmm. Somebody's kid got in trouble, and you, you talk to them and they're like, what happened? And I'm like, well. They got in with the wrong crowd, and next thing we know, and I've you know, heard that a hundred times probably, and what the parent, what, what, what was the deal? Well, it's I knew this kid. Really? I can't believe that kid got in that. Well, they got in with the wrong crowd. And so as a parent, you're trying to keep your kids from getting in with the wrong crowd, but as an adult, well, what's the right crowd? Well, yeah. People that can encourage you and. The
1: right way. Absolutely. So I'm going to I'm going to encourage you, all right? Because we need to dismiss. I'm going to encourage you two things, all right? Ask, seek, and knock. All right? <laughs> those are three things. Do those three things for two things. <laughs> Ask, seek, and knock. Thank you very much, there, sir. <laughs> for more. Passion. Alright? Around seeking God through the scriptures to do His commandments. Alright? Because that's how you will get wisdom is studying the scriptures. That's how you will know what His commandments are by studying the scriptures. Ask so you can knock for that. And second, ask for encouragement. Seek encouragement in this group of people or other Christian friends you have. Alright? what God wants you to do. So think this week, and do it. Alright? Do it. At least once. Find some person, and find some way of asking for encouragement from them. Alright? Or to do something with them that will be encouraging. Alright? That's my charge for you this week. Frank, will you please pray for us?